On this, the 30th anniversary of the film, we've decided to celebrate the 90s sports classic, A League of Their Own. Much like baseball, this is one of those films that gets inside of you and lights you up. The film's heart, sense of humor, and timely feminist themes have allowed it to endure for over three decades, even inspiring a new television series reboot of the story due to be released this August. There may be no crying in baseball, but there was definitely crying here. So it's time to play ball. And as Jimmy Dugan says, anything worth doing is worth doing right. So today we're asking the question, a league of their own. What's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, only a mirror up to ourselves and asking how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how you doing today? Good. I'm good. I'm a little. I'm a little tired, um, but I'm. I'm. I'm swell overall. You're swell. Yeah. You're swell. I'm swell. So, we are. It was, you're swell. Uh, <laughs> so today, yes, we are talking about a league of their own. This was my pick, um, and a lot of times I pick my the movies that we do for this podcast. My choices are usually coincide with like current events of some kind, whether that's. Uh, a new movie coming out by the same director, writer, or a sequel, or something like that. Usually I pick things that are connected to something currently going on. And uh, when I was doing my research for this episode, I I saw that not only is it the 30th anniversary of this film that came out in 1992, which is crazy, um, uh, also they have this new uh, television series coming out uh, on Amazon Prime in... Gosh, just a couple of weeks from now, not very far. Sarah is actually working on the post-production for it. No shit. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. crazy. She was like, uh, so I told her we were doing League of Their Own. She was all like, you know, there's a show coming out. I'm working on it right now. So, <laughs> I'm actually legitimately excited to check out the Amazon series because they, you know, we'll get into some history of this film a little bit, but they've tried to do a series of this movie before and it didn't work out very well uh so i'm intrigued Mm. to see what they're gonna do and also i just love sports cinema and like sports media um sports films are so great um do you like sports films uh i think they have their place you know like i think i don't know Uh, as i've gotten older i'm less interested as a kid i'm i was super interested why, you know. why do you think you've gotten less interested? Um, I just because I, I – sports are not on my radar these days, you know. Like uh, I'm not against sports. I'm not opposed to sports. But it's not like I was you – know, it's not like I'm, I'm paying attention to sports like I used mm-hmm. to. Like when I was a kid, you know, like you have to kind of pay attention to sports because you're going to school and sports are at school you know, you have like if you're in high school, like how your high school football team's doing is a thing, how your college football team's doing is a thing, you know. Uh, and I just, I honestly haven't been in, immersed in Southern culture really uh, since I was a kid. And that's where all my, no, come on, kitty. <laughs> Sorry, there's a cat on my surprise appearance from Fleeka. Oh, wait, it's not Fleeka. Oh, it's kitty. Oh, who is. My sister's cat that we've been yeah, you're imposter. Like couple months. Yeah, <laughs> I love her, but uh, yeah, I just I just haven't paid attention to sports as much. So 
it's just less like if if a sports movie came out now i would not go see it you know oh really Um, yeah i probably wouldn't go see it but i mean i do have classic sports movies that i really like like um i enjoyed this one i enjoyed league of their own you're gonna do it again kitty i see her like rearing back uh I enjoy uh, Sandlot. Sandlot's one of my favorite movies of all time. So that, mm-hmm. you know, I can't deny that. Uh, Remember the Titans is incredible. Um, but I mean, that's it's a pretty short list for me for the the sports films. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Uh, what what would you say is like the best kind of sport for a movie? What do you think? Just just uh, just before we get into the actual discussion of the movie, what what sport do you think lends itself best to to film? I mean, I don't know if I'm the right person to answer this. I mean, I would say baseball. It's not about being the right person. It's about being a person. It's your opinion. Uh, Baseball or football, you know. Um, You know, maybe maybe it's baseball just because it's less about the game and more about the players and, Mm -hmm. like, how they – because the players are – you know, the the game of baseball is slow, so there's a lot of room for – interaction you know mm-hmm. um and then and then there's a montage of people hitting balls and catching things and then and then it's back to the characters you know mm-hmm. so uh i would say baseball probably i think baseball is a pretty good choice because you're right not only is there like a pretty big team you know baseball has like 20 something 30 something players on a team uh so you there can be a lot of different characters and they all can be very different they all play different positions um, and you're like, you're right. I think baseball has the edge over football, maybe just slightly because the thing about that baseball has over football is that you can actually see the characters faces during the game football. You know, they have the helmets on, so you can't get as much yeah. of like the actual character. I mean, they, football movies do a pretty good job of making character happen, but like being able to see the characters faces and, and that throughout the game, I think helps a ton. You're right. There's a lot of downtime in baseball there's a lot of time for the characters to be just kind of doing stuff uh, during the game where football is a little bit more fast-paced and also in professional baseball at least seasons are really long seasons are really long and so like that gives a lot of time for teams to you know develop a story right right they can start off bad and really really have the time to develop and get better and grow and then there's like a you know there's a natural all-star break in the middle of the season so there's like a very a natural like a midpoint kind of thing yeah baseball lends itself pretty good to sports movies i would say uh definitely saying lots up there for me i love this movie a league of their own uh, little giants i love the little giants i love the replacement what's the one, what's the one with what's the one with brad pitt uh moneyball what's that called moneyball's pretty good i enjoyed I that's probably the last sports movie i liked I love Space Jam. Oh yeah, it's not that as a sports movie. It's barely a sports movie, but it's I a sports it. movie. It's a sports <laughs> movie. The new uh, one's but, pretty horrible. Yeah, oh, that was such a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. I, I I couldn't finish it. I got twenty minutes in. I was like, nah, I'm good. It was pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> to bring the mood back up though. Moment of silence. Moment of silence. Moment of silence for the Space Jam franchise. <laughs> It needs it. Uh, so bad. 
But the, to bring ourselves back up, let's get into talking about a league of their own and how it came to be. Uh, so this oh. film was directed by Penny Marshall. Uh, Penny Marshall, also the director of Jumpin' Jack Flash, Big, Awakenings, Renaissance Man, The Preacher's Wife, Riding Cars with Boys, as well as several episodes of Laverne and Shirley, The Tracy Ullman Show, According to Jim, and The United States of Tara. Uh, Penny Marshall, a little bit known, uh, a little, just a slightly more as a very famous actress. This film was written by uh, the team of Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. Um, who together also wrote Night Shift, Splash, Spies Like Us, Gung Ho, Vibes, Parenthood, City Slickers 1 and 2, Mr. Saturday Night, Greedy, Forget Paris, Multiplicity, Father's Day, EdTV, Where the Heart Is, Robots, Fever Pitch, Tooth Fairy, and also wrote episodes of Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Joni Loves Chachi, and The Odd Couple. Um, they were also nominated for a Best Screenplay Oscar in 85 for Splash. So... Pretty established writers, these guys, for sure. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so that is just kind of like who made this. But let's talk about how this film actually came to be. What is the story behind this film? So the inspiration for what would become this 1992 sports film classic began five years prior in 1987. Director Penny Marshall caught a documentary on television called A League of Their Own, which chronicled the true story about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, or the AAGPBL, for short. <laughs> Marshall had never heard of the AAGPBL uh, before that and found herself immediately enamored by the story. She promptly contacted the creators of the documentary, Kelly Candelay and Kim Wilson, and asked for their help developing the script alongside Mandel and Gans to be produced by 20th, by 20th Century Fox. Mandel and Gans' script would focus on a fictionalized story set within the real-life time period of the AAGPBL during World War II, modeling many of the characters from true-life counterparts, such as a female baseball icon, Dottie Collins, becoming the inspiration for Dottie Hinson, and Walter Harvey as a stand-in for Chicago Cubs owner, Philip Wrigley. However, Fox would eventually pass on the script, allowing Sony Pictures to happily scoop it up. Penny Marshall really pushed for authenticity regarding the film's casting by requiring that the entire cast of actresses playing the players actually be able to play baseball. Due to this aspect of the audition process, many prominent actresses weren't able to secure roles in the film, including Marissa Tomei, Marla Maples, Farrah Fawcett, and Molly Ringwald, among more. After signing onto the film, the cast went through a weeks-long baseball boot camp process to prepare for filming, where Lori Petty, who played Kit, and Rosie O'Donnell, who played Doris, were two of the standouts from camp. Originally, Deborah Winger was signed on to play the role of Dottie, but dropped out days before filming was set to begin, prompting a swift signing of Gene Davis, who came in at the tail end of boot camp, but luckily seemed to excel in the game pretty quickly. During filming, many of the cast refused to use stunt doubles during their baseball scenes, and as a result, many of the injuries seen in the film were actually real, such as broken noses, broken fingers, cuts, and bruises, including that huge strawberry bruise on actress Renee Coleman, who played Alice, which actually didn't fully go away for over a year. Wow. When the film, I know. It's crazy. When the film hit theaters in the summer of 1992, it quickly became a critical and commercial success, currently holding an 80% certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a worldwide gross of over $132 million on a $40 million budget. And in 2012, 
The film was selected for preservation by the National Film Registry and the U.S. Library of Congress for preservation. Needless to say, the film was a home run, becoming iconic both as a sports movie and as an important piece of feminist cinema. So much so, in fact, that there have been a few attempts to adapt the story into a television series over the years. Firstly, in 1993, a series of the same name that continued the story of the film aired on CBS. Many of the original cast, including Gary Marshall, Megan Cavanaugh, Tracy Rayner, and John Lovitz would reprise their roles. However, the show only aired for five episodes before being canceled. Now, in this year... The film's 30th anniversary, another television reboot is on the way, but this time by streaming juggernaut Amazon Prime. The series will be available to stream this year in August. Hopefully, they can strike the same balance of fun and sentimentality that made the original such a hit. How are they How are they going to do so Sarah kind of spoiled a little bit of of, of stuff. I'm not going to go into Damn you, Sarah. <laughs> God damn you, Sarah. Apparently, they're they're leaning into race a little bit, which, I mean, makes sense in our time to do, but that's not historically accurate, right? Like, there were no, like, there were no black women playing baseball, right? I don't well, think it, so. Well, it depends on, on what year they're folks. So... The actual uh, All-American Girls Professional Baseball League um, was around from like the late 40s to the mid 50s. Um, So it had about a 10 to 11 year lifespan. The actual professional league did. Um, And during that time, uh, you know, crossing from the late 40s to early 50s, the civil rights movement was happening in the middle of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So potentially... I'm sure there were probably maybe a cup, a few, you know, I don't know. I don't know my, my double A G double A, uh, G P B L history to be honest. Um, but there might be a few. And we even saw a snippet of that in this movie where we saw a group of African-American, uh, African-Americans watching the game. One of them, <laughs> one of the balls and throws it. So we, we kind of see that they're, there's a precedence that possibly was set there. Right. Was that, I just this looked was it the up. first year. Ah, oh, thank you. I just, I just looked it up. And, and no, there were no black women that played. None? Whoa. No black women. Which, I mean, is sad. But, like, how, I mean, I'm, I, I guess they're, they're, it's fine to do it. It's poetic license, but it's just interesting, you know? Like, it's just Ooh. interesting that they're making this show and then that's the, the angle they're going, you know, well, you know, I, I guess again, in the tradition of the original, it was a fictionalized story. So like the, the, the thing about this movie, which is kind of hard to explain is that it, this is a real event. Like the, the double a GPBL was real. It did last for 10 years in the United States. And it did come out of uh, the years that major league baseball was shut down. Cause a bunch of the players went to the war so this is this yeah. actually happened um, i mean the, the moment i teared up started to tear up first was when the black woman threw the baseball like that oh, really? was my first that was my first tear jerk moment it's very sad that there were no black women in this league yeah. but it's also an it's also interesting that that's the angle that this show is going to take because i mean it's inaccurate you know yeah well again it, 
uh, to to finish my my thought, the the original film is, is while set in real events to a point, completely fictionalized and, and fabricated the entire actual story of yeah. this movie to where like none of these characters are actual were were actual players at that time. Um, even to the point where like the Rockford Peaches themselves were actually the worst team in the league at that time. Yeah. Not they were they did not get second place. They were not good. They they were the only team that had a below five hundred winning percentage at, at that in that first wow. season. Um so uh I guess you know, so yeah it makes sense. It makes sense that they can do what they want. Uh it's just and and like I'm for obviously I'm for uh black women getting to get the roles. I'm just saying like I don't know. It's weird to it's weird to me a little to rewrite history a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, feels a little like disingenuous. Y- well, and just like it's like it's not Tarantino here. You know, we're not like we're not stating that Hitler died in a, a film fire. You know, like uh, it's it's more like no, this this is like the real history, which is what. Which is what like our society is pushing now, right? Mm-hmm. Like our society wants us to like highlight the atrocities of the past mm-hmm. and like wh- who who was not represented and and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's fine and cool. I just I, I'll be interested to see how they do it. So yeah, I, I didn't know. I hadn't seen any trailers or anything for for the series yet. Um, so I had no idea that they might be taking that route, but you know what? I'm interested regardless to see what it is. Cause I, yeah, this movie, I haven't seen this movie of the 1992 league of their own. I have not watched it in probably a while. It's been a while since I've actually watched this movie. I forgot how much I like it and how much, how good it is as a movie, how it's, uh... funny it is, how, how emotional and, 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 and sentimental it is. And how it's a fun movie that actually does make like I cried a couple times too during this movie. It's very, I would say this: it's a very good movie. It's cheesy. Well, yeah, it's 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 early nineties. Come on, yeah. It feels like this. They do their cheese so well, like it. It it comes so genuinely, like it doesn't feel forced in any way to me. Like I know that this is a nineties movie about a nineteen forties movie, right? But this. In in some ways, like even being made in the '90s, it feels like the last of the old movies. You know what I mean? Like I would say, Force Gump kind of like also like straddles that line mm-hmm. of being. Like there was a there was a transitional period into like modern yeah. movies, or yeah. at least into like the new style of the '90s. And yeah. this one still feels like it could be an '80s film. Yeah, it's it's definitely like the last of the last of the great old movies in a weird way. Like mm-hmm. I would put a league of the own on the very end. And then we'd cross over into like lion King or something like that. I don't Whoa. Know. that would be like, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Take a shots at lion King shots across the bow. <laughs> I mean, not, it's not a shot at lion King. I'm just saying like in my brain, lion King would be like, the next, the beginning of the next era of of cinema or film after after this. Interesting. Okay, um, I get what you're saying. Uh, so for this film, yeah, I, 
I don't know. I I think that what's so great about this movie is it is it is kind of cheesy. It is very sentimental. It does have that very classic Hollywood nice ending. You know, it it wraps up so neatly. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a feel it's definitely a feel good movie for sure. Um which is like a little bit old school in a lot of ways. But I and I genuinely believe this. It it feels very genuine and earnest in the way that it does it. It does like yeah. not feel forced. It does not feel like you're pandering to an audience. It definitely, it definitely um, feels like it's very hard on its sleeve type of movie. Yeah, you know something I, I I found interesting too. There were there were like though it's a feminist film and there's it is about women. They didn't like have any like really major feminine problems to come up like. Like there was nobody that got pregnant. There was nobody oh. like that had like a like 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 there was no like a like uh, I don't know. Like it's pretty like I was actually going to mention this. Uh, other than like El- Evelyn having to bring Stillwell with her to get like, her husband's like you watched the the fucking kid while you're out playing baseball. Like that was like a like one of those moments where it's like oh like a woman yeah. has to take care of her kid even if she's working. Yeah. Um, and that, which was interesting. Um, uh, we, I actually was going to say the same thing in that I was shocked that this movie didn't go for when, when Bob gets home from the war, when he's discharged, yeah. and sees Dottie, I'm surprised they didn't do the whole, like, you're not playing baseball anymore. Yeah, I was, and, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Like, yeah, he's, he supported her 100%. He's like, and he's all like, "That's my wife. That's my wife." Yeah. <laughs> she wanted to continue playing. I'm sure he would have been down, you know. Which I think was really cool that they didn't like pull that like classic like man trying to hold a woman back moment, um, which I thought was really really cool. Uh, yeah, it, it it was pretty. I don't know. It it, it 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 held. I think it held some punches on some of the w- women's issues that they could have like. Mm-hmm. gone for which i is it also interesting like mm-hmm. it's like they wanted they, they're like they, we want to deal with feminine issues but we want to make it palatable palatable you know mm-hmm. like we, we don't want it to be uh too controversial you know like there's no abortion scene <laughs> you know like like there's no like uh there's no there's one of the baseball players could have like started her period at some point and like they have to take her out of the game. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nothing that would like affect the, you know, that's, it's just interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's probably just more due to the era of film that it was yeah. made in less. Yeah. So, but I mean, if it was made it post 2000, post 2000, I was just going to sure. say, I, I'm curious to know if some of those things are going to come up in this new series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like, I mean, on it, I probably some like, if it's a series, some of that stuff is going to get explored. Gender politics of the '40s and '50s are going to have to be explored in that in that series yeah. in order for it to make sense for now. It has to, yeah. You know, like this movie, while great, like in the '90s, and like is a great again a great feel good movie. Like if you just want to like feel happy and and feel the sentimentality of something, this is a great movie for that. But this this movie <laughs> this movie would not would not do it for people if it were made today people would yeah i think yeah would reject it in a way yeah 
because of it, it's uh, a little bit whitewashy as far as like women's issues. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, it holds but, it holds it holds the punches. But for its place in history, as far as like early '90s pushing a, such a female centric story, and like showing yeah. how how capable and 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 strong these women were in in the set in the in the face of great adversity um and also doing it in a super entertaining way uh i think was really great for its era yeah yeah um Sets but a precedent it does absolutely but it's time for us to start to get into we've already touched on actually some things i'm sure we're going to talk about throughout the rest of this episode but uh let's talk about what this movie is what is it before we get into the big question uh so this is a fictionalized true story inspired by the true events set in the midst of World War II. The U.S. finds themselves devoid of America's favorite pastime, so they turn to the women at home to hit the field to play professional baseball for the first time in the country's history. That is what this film is. But Seth, it's time for the question. I'm going to ask you, are you ready? Yeah. Seth, a league of their own. What's it about? Women in baseball. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Women in baseball. <laughs> ah, that's a good question. Um, so we should start a podcast about this question. Um, <laughs> <We> should. <laughs> Women should. in baseball. That question. <laughs> you know. You know what my favorite moment is with our podcast right now. What? Is when people ask me what my podcast is about. They go, "What's it about?" And I was like, "I go, eh. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, I think the moment that stands out the most for me in this movie is at the very end when she drops the baseball, and so. I think I think spoiler alert. I I think this movie is about what you want, like the pursuit of what you actually want, and what what you do to go about getting it, and um, and your drive to get it. Um, So. That moment. How does that relate to, I say, yeah. How does that relate to that last moment? Well, I think, um, you know, I'm horrible with names. What's her name? Not Ki- the the main girl. Uh, Dottie. 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 Uh, I don't. You know, I think Dottie's honest when she says, "I don't really want to play baseball." Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think she wants a family, and she's she is. I think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance with her because I think she does does believe in women give, getting like the opportunity to play and, but she also, I think is more comfortable adhering to societal norms, you know, like she wants to go home and have children. Um, I think, and I think there's an argument to be made that she like is too, is too, uh, adhered to societal norms that like too conformist. She's too, like, there's an argument to be made. She's indoctrinized by society essentially and Kit isn't. Um, but at the same time, if that's what she wants, then she should be allowed to go do that. You know what I mean? She, she shouldn't feel bad. And 
and that moment where she drops the baseball, like, we don't know, you know, like, I was going to ask you that question a little bit later. Yeah. We don't know if she, like, she could have held on to it, maybe, but it's so, it's such a moment that, like, she could have given it to her sister, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't know. We don't know if she, she gave it to her. And, I mean, it, it, it would line up that she gave it to her because her sister wants to be the hero. She wants to, to, and it, and it's, though, and she doesn't. So like what, like though it causes her team to lose, like she's giving her sister something that she really, really wants. And it's not like they're not going to get to play again next year, supposedly. So it's like, I don't know. There's, there's lots of arguments to be made that it, it is, you know, she did, actually get hit who knows no we can't know that's like the big mm-hmm. question but i mean I, I i again i again say i think this movie is about pursuing what you want and having the freedom to do so and so like dotty wanted to make kit happy you know mm-hmm. and but she's not gonna just she's not gonna just give it to her you know what i mean mm-hmm. she's gotta like believe that kit earned it and so I don't know, man, uh, this movie is about other things too. Um, you know, like overcoming adversity. Um, it's about, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's, I think like, I know like, I feel weird saying, cause we, we've said this before, like pursuing what you want is like every movie, but like, mm-hmm. but like in this, in this instance, like, the main character doesn't want what all of like everyone expects her to want, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, and she has a gift, right? Mm -hmm. So like to give up a gift to go after something you really want, that's not easy to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And, 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 and some, so it makes it really difficult to figure out, what you should do you know uh, for me like uh this is like a constant battle for me is like what what do i actually want and and like do i do i give up the things that i've been working so hard for mm-hmm. in in order to get something else you know so mm-hmm. i don't know what do you think it's about? Help me out well, here, bro. <laughs> well, to to just bounce off of yours before I kind of I kind of get into what I think. Um I think you're right. It, this movie is very interesting in in its character and its protagonist. I think a yeah. lot of a lot of films and a lot of people are used to the protagonist being the person that wants something really really bad, right? Who is yeah. trying and and really pushing to get like you said get what they want and all the the trials and tribulations of like of getting there and coming to a realization. Um, but the crazy thing for Dottie is you're right. Dottie, as good as she is at baseball, like she's the best player in the league. Everybody says that without even really trying, she just is that yeah. good. I mean, not that she doesn't work hard in this, but you know, she just has a, a natural ability and she's just good at it. And she's yeah. and like you said, the whole crazy thing about it is she's comfortable in herself. She, as much as she likes baseball, she likes to play baseball. She's good at baseball. It's not what 
she thinks it's not what she truly wants. She doesn't want to be a baseball player, a professional baseball player. Yeah. That's not what she wants. She likes it. She enjoys it. It's a way to pass the time while her husband's away and like support her sister and, you know, get paid more money than she get she would get at home. Like she's making a yeah. better living. So like honestly, there are only benefits to her to do it because she's good at it. But like it's not really what she wants. She like you said, she does want a to be with Bob. She does want just want to have a family and 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 you know, be at home back in Oregon. And like I think nowadays someone might watch a movie and like say kind of like similar some similar things to what you're saying. Oh, she's just indoctrinated, she's just you know, been brainwashed. She's been yeah. conditioned to want those things. But like to be, f- to be fully fair to to a lot of women out there who do want to have a family. You know, who like, yeah. like as they may not have career aspirations in that way. I mean, everybody has passions. Everybody has things that they love. But like, some people do truly just want to be a mom, be a dad, be you know, have a family, raise a raise a family. Some people do just want that. Over over any career that they might have, and yeah. like I think sometimes those people get like get their people turn their nose at at those people sometimes and just try and blame it on like indoctrination and blame it on conditioning yeah. societal conditioning. It's like that's maybe there's some of that in some people, but not not all people. Some people do just want a family, and that's that's nice too, you know. Yeah, and and I think they really they really show that Dottie could do whatever she wants. No one's holding her back. You know, we right. talked about Bob would support her if she wanted to play professional baseball. He would support her, you know, yeah. he, and, and she obviously is good at it. And all she has all of her friends there. And, and Jim, she, she formed a really great friendship with Jimmy. Um, So, like, there's a lot of reasons for her to stay, you know, and even though, like, we get that line of, like, it's too hard, it's too hard. I I think that's just an excuse. I don't. I don't. I didn't see it being too hard for her, other than her struggle with her sister, which we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. Truly, I think if Dottie wanted to play baseball, I think she would have. Yeah. Um. I mean, we see older Dottie maybe having some regrets about it, maybe. Um. But you know, who doesn't have regrets and like what ifs when they're in their seventies? You know, especially, yeah. especially as we learn, her Bob, her, you know, her partner just had died maybe a few months. But she had like a really happy life with right. Bob, you know. Yeah, she had and a great life with Bob. She she has a great family. She loves her her daughter and her grandkids. Like she, there's a lot of love and happiness in Dottie's life. Um, but now you know she's after Bob passed away, she's she's lost. And this is kind of getting into yeah. my interpretation of this film, which is um, finding your place in the world. I think to to kind of take your 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 theme of like knowing what you want and going for it. I think to specify that just a little bit is knowing and finding where you belong and getting there. Yeah. It's more specifically, yeah. and I think yeah. we see that reflected in all these characters. Like I said, for Dottie, young Dottie, she is great at baseball, but she wants to be in Oregon. She just she wants to be start a family. She wants, she just wants Bob back. You know, she wants her life with Bob and baseball is a great way to pass the time and she enjoys it and she's good at it. But it's the American we, pastime. exactly. And as we see later, older Dottie, after Bob has passed away, they say, they mention that she hasn't left her room in months. Yeah. She's, 
she's lost. You know, she, she's defined her life as Bob's wife, you know, yeah. you know, as a family woman. And, and, and she seems very happy. She doesn't seem like she would, she's depressed. Like she had a, like a sad life that she regrets everything, all the choices she's made. She, she's just sad that she's lost someone that she loves very, very much and doesn't know yeah. what to do without them. And, and she doesn't want to go to this like reunion for the double uh, a GPBL. She doesn't want to go to the ceremony in Cooperstown because she said, as she says, I don't, I don't feel like that's, that's my plate. Like I don't feel like that. I was a part of it, you know, because she only played the one season. Yeah. She, she's insecure about her place in that, in that community. Um, and so we see her struggling now later in her life of where she belongs, where she fits in, what, she, who is she? Um, that's where, a way better, I, that's a way better, uh, phrasing. Yeah. Uh, what finding where you belong makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Well, what you want is to feel, feel like you're in the right, you're in the right place. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. at least, at least in this movie, that's what we see our characters want. Like Kit doesn't feel like she belongs in Oregon. You know, she, people don't appreciate her. She's in her sister's shadow. You know, she, she doesn't, she just doesn't feel like she fits in there. No one appreciates yeah. her there. And so throughout the whole movie, Kit is constantly struggling with her own insecurities about, honestly, weirdly enough, as much as she loves her sister, they don't belong together. Her and her sister can't right. be together in that way yeah. because they just try and occupy too much of the same spotlight. Not on purpose. It just is, is the way it is. Um, and we see the same thing with Jimmy. You know, Jimmy was this Hall of Fame baseball player, you know, who, yeah. who <clears throat> tanked his career due to alcoholism and a, a career-ending injury. And we, when we meet him in the beginning of the movie, he's completely lost. He doesn't know how to define himself as anything yeah. other than a baseball player. And so his discovery of like finding a new place that he fits in is like his whole journey. And we, we, we see this throughout the whole film with other characters too, of like may not wanting to go back to be a dancer and, and Doris kind of embracing the fact that she's maybe a little bit more masculine, but like that can also be attractive too. Um, you know, we see Ev- uh, Evelyn and, and with, with Stillwell like learning how to like, raise and take care of him while also like doing what she loves um you know we get hints of it from from everybody which is i think really what this movie you know it's a league of their own right it's their it's their place um which is i think what this movie is is trying to get at in at least in my opinion Um, i like that i like that i think it makes me feel things when you say it like that because like that's mm -hmm. i don't i personally have never figured it out Mm. So, so like, um, yeah, no, yeah, I, no, I totally agree. And this, that's why maybe I, I actually like this movie, I had not seen it in a really, really, really long time. Um, and I, when I watched it again, I ended up watching it two, three times over this past week because it hit me in a way that it didn't hit me when I originally saw it. I liked it a lot when I originally saw it, but it hit me so much differently these days of like, cause you're right. Like. I've also felt this like struggle of like not knowing exactly where I belong, uh, where I fit in. I, I, I tend to, and it's funny cause, uh, on our D and D podcast, on our D and D show, um, and playing D and D in general, um, my roommate, Justin, who's been on the show before is tends to DM for us a lot. And whenever I create characters for his different campaigns, he came up to me once. And he was like, you know, you, you tend to make characters who are outsiders. Right. 
<laughs> he's like almost all your characters are characters who are different yeah. than than the people that they've their society grew up with like almost every single character yeah. you've made is this and he's like he's like subconsciously i think that's that's you saying that you feel like you're an outsider in most groups yeah i mean um what your your pathologies on when you put a mask on are mm-hmm. definitely your actual pathologies mm-hmm. so um that would make sense and yeah i mean i think that's something you and i relate a lot to each other is like we've always just wanted to figure out what we were good at and mm-hmm. like be seen and known for that you know mm-hmm. um we, to feel like we we found our purpose right like i think you and i uh, are very much akin in, in that we just wanted to find our purpose and and i think we both we both want acknowledgement mm-hmm. for that both want acknowledgement for our purpose which is I think what this movie really does well uh, is is creating a space for people to be val like to finally be validated, mm-hmm. you know. Um, exactly. But that's the thing. I, I was gonna say in Kit that we see that the most with Kit's character, right? Kit, yeah. Kit is yeah. talented. Kit is probably the best pitcher in that league. Like she, it doesn't even like till the end of the season. She's pitched complete games the whole season. She's never been taken out once until that until that one scene that like right at the like yeah. the you know the bad guys close in type of moment. So after the midpoint of the movie where things start to go wrong, uh, we don't see Kit get taken out of a game until then. That's and that's far into the season because that that even says that was to get us into uh, the playoffs. You know, so like that's the yeah. end of the season. Like she's yeah. a boss ass pitcher, and yet. She doesn't feel like anybody pays attention to her because of because of Dottie. She she's good, and she doesn't feel like she's being recognized for how good she is. Yeah, Kit, Kit's a great pitcher, um, and the, I guess a question to be asked is: is it is Kit just actually just looking for validation from Dottie? Like, like, do you think that maybe? I, I don't know. See, I I want one of the things I did want to bring up is this the sibling relationship. And almost sibling rivalry between Kit and Dottie because it, it is portrayed in such an interesting way where there's definitely a lot of love there. Like they love each other for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and they are competitive with each other. Like we see like the little like, why are you walking fast? Well, it's because you're walking fast. It's like, oh, I just think you, you know, you just want don't want to let me beat you in anything. And like you get the sense that Dottie, as competitive as she is, would not mind losing to to Kit. No. Like Kit beat her, Dottie would be okay with it, and we see that later. Yeah. You know, like it, again, it truly, if if Kit did honest, genuinely, and honestly win that, if Dottie dropped that ball for real, like Dottie's not mad at all. Not really. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe a little bit like disappointed that she let her teammates down and stuff like that. But like, yeah. really, it's really happy, genuinely happy that Kit succeeded. So like. For me, I don't – I don't know. I think Dottie gives Kit validation all the time. I think she talks yeah. about how, how good how good Dottie, uh, Kit is a lot. But she doesn't though. I don't think she does. I think she – I think she doesn't let her have an inch of wiggle room. Like I, I, like I think – it's like the fastball stuff. Like mm-hmm. she, she will point out every single 
like flaw because she doesn't want her to like be given anything. She wants her mm-hmm. to earn it. You, know? you don't have you don't have a curveball left in you. Yes, I do. You haven't yeah. had a curveball since the third inning. <laughs> Yeah, she, she's throwing grapefruits. She's throwing grapefruits. So like, uh, yeah, um, that's a fair I point. I have siblings that are like that. My fam- my whole family is like that. There is a yeah. lot of love in my family, but they definitely will be brutally honest. Yeah, brutal. Even even I, even like when it's trying to be helpful, it's like I'm saying this to help you, you know, kind of kind of thing. And that is hard. That's really hard. It doesn't feel like you're. Sometimes it can feel like your family doesn't validate you and doesn't. Yeah. And they would say it's the complete opposite. They would only say something if there was value to be had. Yeah. Right. Uh, something I think that uh, Gina Davis does so well, like something she has. Yeah, her so performance much... in this is so good. Yeah, it's it's the best performance by far. Like even Tom Hanks, I think his performance is a little lacking in this. Well, I think they. I think it's like people are so used to Tom Hanks being like a really, really nice guy. You know what I mean? I think this movie they just like be just be big and and kind of be a cantankerous asshole. And so I think he yeah. just like he's not putting a lot of like. There's a little bit of emotion there, but he's not he's not fully like turning on the 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 sentimentality and the actual like darkness within Jimmy. He's just playing up the, the like the like bombastic anger yeah. of him. it's it's a car- it's a bit of a caricature. It's you know? fun, but I agree. Yeah. It's not the best yeah. acting. No, it's like the only time I've ever seen Tom Hanks play a caricature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, he's not horrible, but like, he's, it's very like, it's functional. Clowny. Yeah, it's functional. It's, it's, yeah. He reminds me again of our good friend Keeling Carter. There's, oh, yeah, I can definitely see Keeling playing that role. Uh, but like, but like, Gina Davis in this movie, like, she carries herself with so much confidence. Like, yeah, it's it's the way she her poise is just like, I mean, she's gorgeous in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's just like so stunning, and it's just the way she carries. She she reminds me of the way Sarah carries herself a little bit. My girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons I was attracted to her, is like she's just a woman who's sure, mm-hmm. you know, and and just has confidence, and. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was amazing, which is like really great juxtaposition with Kit, who's like insecure, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah, um, it's tough. Wait, wait. I mean, no, I, I totally. So, like, to go back to this idea of like finding a place where you belong, and like me, like me and you specifically, like searching for that and like struggling with that. So, like, I in school especially like high school was like kind of in the popular group i was like popular peripheral we talked about this in like our movie um and so like finding your place in that group was always really hard because like they were all the athletes i played sports growing up so i was an athlete but like not one of the star players or anything like that um and so like i was you know i've always kind of been like a class clown i've written song parodies since freshman year of high school i've you know I was always trying to make people laugh and stuff like that growing up. And so like a lot of people would tell me they thought I was going to do acting or do like comedy or something like that. And for a long time, I just was like, Oh, that's just something that's just the person I am, but that's not what like I want to do. So there was like yeah. a, a, a bucking almost like in Gina, almost like Gina Davis's character a little bit of like, no, like that's just like a thing I like. And this is the thing I, I just a person I am, but that's not what I want to do. So for a very you long time, to be an athlete. 
right? Like you wanted well, to be- I, well, my family's very athletically gifted and athletically inclined. And so like honestly, like if I wanted to be honest with myself deep down growing up, I would have loved to have been a professional athlete. Like if I yeah. could have made it happen, I would have loved to have been a professional baseball player. Like for like absolutely. Like I probably never said that to anybody. I probably never said ever that I was like, I want to be a professional baseball player. And maybe that goes back to almost like an insecurity about the thing of like saying what you actually want type of thing. But like deep yeah. down when I was playing baseball growing up, I loved playing baseball. And like if I could have made being a professional baseball player a thing, I would have. However, I don't think I had the the work ethic and the – I have work ethic, just not in that way. Truthfully, I probably did not actually want to be a professional baseball player. That was just a romantic thought, right? Yeah. Um, well, that's that's because I didn't bust my ass doing that the way I bust my ass doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and so like for a long time I was going to do forensics. I was going to do I was going to work in a crime lab somewhere or something like that, um, helping solve you know helping solve crimes because um, I love puzzles. I love science. Um, but because uh, again, it was that same thing. Do I really want to be an actor? Is that where I feel, or, or I just want to? is it romantic to think about being famous, right? Yeah. And of course, as somebody who wasn't like super popular and had a lot of trouble feeling like they fit in in high school, you want validation. And like being famous is the ultimate validation, you know? Or at least what, that's it what is. it seems like from the outside. It seems yeah. like it. Yeah. 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 Um, so I totally connect with this movie in that way. And we talked a little bit about like, like you talked about the first moment that made you cry in this movie. First moment that made me cry in this movie was right after the tryouts. And we see that woman Shirley Baker at the at the the board looking, and she can't read. And she yeah. literally—that's a moment where she literally does not know where she belongs. She, yeah. she and she has no way to figure it out, and she is just yeah. lost. And you see it so, and that's Anne Cusack. You see it on her face that she literally has no idea of where she go, where she's supposed to go, and she has no way of figuring it out. She's just stuck. And that moment yeah. made me cry. I was like, that moment made me tear up because it was so earnest. It's so that, that I think that's a good reflection actually, maybe at the, of the ending of the possible mm-hmm. drop baseball in that, like maybe we need other people to help us get to where we belong, you mm-hmm. know, because like, it's so hard to, to glean through what you want and figure out where, where you belong, you know, mm-hmm. um, you need, you kind of need somebody to like guide you or like help put to, you in a loop, place to loop you in. Yeah. Because like, like me, you know, like I want so many things, you know, <laughs> like I want, there's so many things I want to do. And it's like, it's like you, but you can't really do it, do anything without somebody letting you, you know? And so it's like, how do you, like, you can pursue what you want to, you know, all day, every day, and you might not get anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not until somebody like reads the board for you that you know which team you're on, or it's not until somebody like to, I guess, use a blunt metaphor extends their hand and drops a baseball uh mm-hmm. to help you get to your place you know and I, uh, 
Yeah, dude, I this makes me literally think of I just had this experience with the movie I just worked on. So the movie I just worked on is was a group of either fresh out of college graduates or still in college kids from uh, from LMU here in LA. Um, so some of them just graduated from there and some of them are still are still on summer break from there, but all like film film students mostly. So coming in, a lot of them, not only was I the, like the oldest person on set being yeah. four to five, six years to sometimes nearly 10 years older than them. <laughs> um, are you 30 yet? Uh, yeah, I'm 30. So okay. yeah, like Good. I think the youngest person on set was, was 19. So I was like 11 years yeah. older than the youngest person on set. Wow. And like, Coming in, and a lot of them already knew each other, had had known each other from school or from other things. And so I came in as not only being five, six years older than like the next person, they all knew each other. A lot of them did, had history yeah. with each other. And so I felt coming into like, like we did like a fight, like a fight choreo rehearsal and stuff like that. I felt as much as I love acting and I know like that's like what I want to do and things like that, like knowing that's that my place, right? Entering a new social dynamic. I felt so out of place. I felt so out of the loop. I felt so outside. Yeah. Even though I was there, I felt I felt on the outside. And it wasn't until the producer of the movie who was there, who's also like a good friend of the director's, um, like, you know, reached out to me and just started talking to me. And I was able to kind of like ease into the social dynamic because he took it upon himself to like – meet me on my level or like, or like help, help guide me down into the group, into the group. And like yeah. my experience on that movie was phenomenal. All the, like I made so many great connections with those people and a lot of them are going to be coming on the show soon. Cool. <laughs> uh, so you guys will hear from a lot of them, but like it was, like you said, it was an extension of a hand. It was a, it was an action of someone to be like, Hey, let me show you, let me show you around this, this, this group, you know, yeah. and helped, helped, helped me f- f- slot in, which was really nice. Um, and yeah. so I, you definitely see that in this movie. And even even to like, what's the most iconic line from this movie? What's the most iconic line for this movie? Uh, I think it's um, Tom Hanks when he's like, it's supposed to be hard. Uh, if it wasn't really? hard, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. Ah, interesting. You know, I, I think, would say, I, the- I would say most people would say there's no crying in baseball. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's the most iconic. Yeah, I guess that's the most and iconic. and even that line itself is such a reflection of like that theme of like there's no there's no place for crying in this game, right? Like this yeah. crying doesn't belong here, and and so like if you're gonna cry, you don't belong, right? And yeah. and even though that's not what he really means, you know, he's trying to like motivate her in the way that he knows how to motivate, even though it doesn't work for everybody. But that's that's such a, a symbolic of like this idea of this doesn't belong here. That doesn't belong here. You belong here. You belong here. There's no place for this in that. Um, yeah. And I think that's so interesting. Um, but I, w- I would love to talk a little bit more about uh, so as we are getting to our, our hour mark here. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about the sibling rivalry because I know both you and I have sibling issues. Or maybe not issues. Have have competitiveness with our siblings. I I don't know if I would call it competitiveness with my sibling. What would you um, call? expectations? Like, mm-hmm. um, my sister just had a baby. 
you know? Mm. And uh, so I had lots of feelings about that when it started happening. Um, Cause my sister's younger than me. She's four years, four years younger than me. Um, and she had a lot of like, I would say ambition in the political realm. Um, and then she just decided that she didn't want to do that anymore. She kind of tabled it and decided to have a baby. And then that's just what she's doing, you know? Mm. And so it was really difficult for me to kind of like watch that happen at first. Um, because it, it like, it affected me and how I looked at my life, you know? Um, and, and like what I, it like made me question what I want and what I was doing. Um, you know, this whole, like kind of what we mentioned earlier, this whole indoctrination thing. And like, I was worried that she's being indoctrinated by, you know, Southern, Southern expectations yeah. and, and whether or not she's doing what she actually wants to do. And so like, I had this kind of bucking of it initially, like, like I didn't think she should be doing it, you know, mm. but if she wanted to do it, it's all under her, you know? And, you know, I think, I think she did, you know, I think that's what she really wants more than anything is just to feel she wants to feel safe and she wanted kids you know like mm. i think if it were really up to her she'd be probably a stay-at-home mom mm. and you know uh she's really talented at anything she puts her mind to but i think she's so she gets so stressed out about anything um that she has to like work on that it's like crippling for her you know, so it's like, and I would say, honestly, I'm similar in that regard. Like I am, uh, I'm very talented, but anything that I focus on, it just, it just like, it's all encompassing, you know, it's like very difficult for me to, um, not have horrible anxiety about something. And, uh, on top of that, like, I also have always kind of wanted a family. Like, I think I have this really big drive to, to have a family. So it's like, I'm in this, I am in this cognitive dissonance place of, um, what do I really want out of life? And I'm older, right? Like I'm, I'm four years older than her and she's already married with kids and I am, you know, still, unmarried and don't really, I don't really know what I'm doing in my life, you know? And so like, I would say we're, we're, I'm not competitive. It's just like, I compare myself. Mm. It's a, it's a comparison and it's an expectations expect. I have expectations about what my sister does because I have expectations about my own life. And mm. so your sibling is like the closest mirror you have to who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like they're not you, but they're the closest thing to you that mm -hmm. exists, you know? Yeah. I, I've, I've had an interesting relationship with my, with my siblings. Um, so me and my sister, my, my older sister are less than two years apart. So she was, she, she was first. And then I was two years, a little bit of two years later. Um, and when we were younger, we used to fight a lot. We used to just argue and, and get in a lot of fights. Um, and, I, and honestly, I don't have a lot of recollection why, like why we didn't get along very well or or we did get along, but we also just also just fought really, really bad. Um, 
again, don't really remember why, but I do remember lots of yelling and screaming at each other and, and hitting each other type stuff as kids do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but over time, eventually we got pretty close and then my little brother was born. So seven years later, little brother comes along and like, you know, I did the big brother thing really well when he was a baby. Like I loved helping take care of him and stuff like that. But once he started becoming like a person, like, you know, a little person, uh, I definitely started to feel resentment towards him. Like, yeah. like as much as I love my brother and I do, I love him very, very much. When we were growing up, man, like I, you know, being the people talk about middle child syndrome and like joke about it, but like, it's a thing, honestly, like the older, the older sibling sometimes gets preference to things because they're older. You know, they have seniority, especially in my family. Like, like the older sibling gets to choose if they sit in the front seat and you don't get, you get to sit in the back seat unless they yeah. just aren't either aren't coming or don't care. You know, like you have seniority basically. So older siblings get, get first dibs on anything. Yeah. And then babies get preference next preference right the the little one that's going to complain and going to be hard to to please gets the next preference right so like what does the middle child get what's left over right and not that my family did it on purpose uh but like i tended to just be more laid back at that time or like more more like relaxed about most things more easy you know easy going more go with the flow but like was I or was I just forced into that position? I don't really know. I'm still like that to this day. I'm still pretty go with the flow. I'm still pretty easy going. But I don't know if that's just me being conditioned that way or if that's how I truly – my personality is. I don't know. But it created over time a lot of resentment towards my little brother because I felt like yeah. he was getting preference. He was getting treatment. He And not only that, as he got older, he was super gifted as a, as an athlete. He for Even from when he was little, he was a good freaking athlete from yeah. um, from as soon as he could walk. And, then, and some of that's natural gifted talent and gifted athleticism. And a lot of that is he, he loves sports and so he works hard and that's great. But, and not to mention he's a good looking kid and he was popular, you know, he was yeah. very popular for in his age group. So like for a long time, I held a lot of resentment towards him because it just seemed to come easy to him. And even like his grades were not great. His grades were not great. He never really focused on school. And my parents got on me so freaking much about my grades because I was naturally pretty smart, but didn't put, again, but didn't put a lot of effort into stuff. So like my grades were just kind of okay because I would not turn in any homework, but would like get A's on tests and stuff like that kind of thing. Yeah. So like my parents were like, what are you doing? You should have A's in all your classes. And so like they would get on me about my grades constantly because I just didn't give a fuck. They never, barely ever got on him about his grades. Like, and if they did, it was like very, it was not in the same way. And so like, there was just a lot of built up resentment towards that. And so I honestly felt like I lived in my little brother's shadow a lot of the times growing up, even though I was seven years older, I felt like he overshadowed me. He shined brighter than I did, you know? And, and so I was like the kit in this, in the relationship with me and my little brother, which was really interesting. Um, my sister was always cooler than me. Mm-hmm. Like she was always like more socially savvy, more, you know, like with it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so I always joke and say I was raised by my little sister. Like mm-hmm. she was, you know, she's bossy. She was bossy. And 
told me what to do. And, uh, and then in school, like she was one of the popular girls and I was like the nerdy kid, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was like the, the spazzy theater kid who, who was into art, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's always, she's always been able to find a place easier than I have. Like, Mm -hmm. and I guess she was always able to conform better. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I guess, like an argument for what I was saying earlier is like, she has a very good heartbeat on what she needs to do to Mm -hmm. find a place. And me, I am the opposite. Like, I'm just like, I have no idea what I need to do to find a place or mm-hmm. I don't want to do what I need to do to find a place. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want the place, I want to find the place I fit, you know, perfect. Mm-hmm. And my brother is so similar to that, to that. And where my brother seems to have a good, good beat on how to, how to fit into whatever he, wherever he's at, whether that's onto a, a team or whether that's in a social situation, whether that's with like dating and girls, like my brother knows how to find the, find the rhythm and and yeah. match i yeah i have my own rhythm and yeah. <laughs> and i don't know how to play any other rhythms <laughs> yeah. i play I'm, one beat. I'm, I'm similar you know yeah. um it's so it's and it's and like i as like this person and also as a cis white male it's very confusing it's mm-hmm. it's super confusing because like there's there's expectation as to what you are mm-hmm. you know and you know that you are not that at all mm-hmm. and it's it can be it can be infuriating you know what i mean like i think that's and like and that's what i'm bumping up against as an artist right now mm-hmm. i think is like i know the expectations of what i'm supposed to be and I, I don't agree with what I, how I've been pocketed, which is like triggering because that's been my entire life, mm-hmm. you know, and, but you can't communicate that because it's like, it's very difficult to communicate that because our society is, is even though they're trying to break that rigidity, they have not turned it towards the demographic that has been the most persecuting yet does that make sense like it's like everything's turned back towards uh i guess straight white guys in a way Mm -hmm. um and they are now expected to recognize that they are a thing Mm -hmm. you know and i personally have tried my whole life to buck up against that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like i didn't want to play sports i wasn't i didn't want to be toxically masculine you know, I didn't want to be a mean person or a bully, you know, like, like I tried to abstain from sex as long as I could, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, and, and so like, so it just shattered it. Like, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's a strange place to be in as an artist mm-hmm. because, um, and it makes you wonder if you even are supposed to be, if I'm supposed to be one, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like talking about this, where we belong thing. And it's like, is there room? is there room for a a person like me to be an artist right now? You know, Mm. is there, am I going to, you know, uh, 
I, I like I don't even like it's 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 I feel funny like I feel funny even talking about this on a podcast for a league of their own because we're supposed to be talking about women's rights. You know what I mean? Like well like, so to I think why this movie is is so is it's so good and why me and you both like as we were watching it like teared up a whole bunch is because well yes this was a particular issue for women of the 40s and 50s obviously and is continues to be an issue because we i mean we talked about it with like hustlers we are men we are two straight men um and and so we were nervous to talk about hustlers even though like like i think that's important and same with this it's like this movie works so well because while yes that issue the issue of finding where you belong was so prominent at the time this movie's like portraying and even to this day it's a universal thing yeah finding where you belong is like what like 100% of people are trying to do all the time yeah you know and yeah. And, and so like it it i think it does this movie does such a great job of being like hey like remember that like women are people too you know what i mean yeah yeah like yeah. like the shit the insecurities that you as a straight white man or as a, a man in power yeah ha- like feel sometimes you know how sometimes you feel insecure like you don't belong and maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome women feel that to a high, even higher degree because you're yeah. imposing it on them as yeah. well so like yeah. i think this movie is a, a great like walk a mile in another shoes type of type of movie see see it from their perspective because if you can empathize with this movie and get on the character side and see like how dare harvey uh, you know harvey try and shut down the league just because the men are coming home like fuck that yeah. guy like if you're able yeah. to get to that point in this movie then you understand at least to a more extent than maybe you did before and right. i think that's okay for you to talk about it from your perspective of somebody who's I think it's because you're talking about it through a place of you wanting to to be that person that people are asking cis white men to be these days or asking them to account for, right? Yeah. You're you're conscious of it. Not only conscious of it, you're continually trying to be that person. And yeah. so I think it's okay for you to talk about how it's it's a struggle and how there are, you know, you're looking for Okay, I'm trying to find a new role for myself in in a world that is saying, I sh- I want I want to open up space for other people. So like it's like okay, I'm now I'm trying to find a new role that's acceptable to me and acceptable to everybody else. You know, I think it's yeah. okay to talk about how how uncertain and uncomfortable and scary that in and how lost you might feel during this time because you're trying. I think people can empathize with the fact that you're trying and that it's it's hard. You know. Yeah, but don't compare don't compare struggles, right? That's what some people say. Don't compare your struggle to another person's struggle. Yeah, you shouldn't compare suffering. That's yeah. that's what that's that's what's to be said, but I think we are we are living in a time where suffering is being compared mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you can quantify it in some ways like but you know, some people don't have anything on their plate and then other people can't eat what's on their plate. So it's like, it can be an interesting juxtaposition, mm. you know, like I have never identified as 
pow- a, like powerful, a, a powerful person. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never identified as like a, I've, I've never identified as a man who could do things. High status. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? And so like, it's, it's always been, um, so it's weird when you're treated like a, this person that behaved this way their whole life and you never did. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and like all you, all I've ever wanted was for other people to feel included and to, which I guess my, my, my strong suit has been emotional sensitivity, you know, like mm-hmm. empathy and things like that. So it's like, all I've ever, all I've ever wanted is for people to show empathy to me, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is, so it's like, it's weird. Yeah. So I think, especially right now, I think for, for you, it might be important to remember that like a lot of this, like pushback against, you know, cis white men in power and, and stuff like that. And a lot of this pushback against white, white men in general is not personal to you right? They're not personally attacking you. Even though you you identify in that group to an extent, it, they're not saying that it's you. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a personal thing. There's a general, it's a general overarching issue, but it's It's different. It's different when you get on stage though. You know what I mean? Right. Well then they put that stuff on you. And I think then as much as you can, I mean, and like you said, you're, I know we've talked about like, we're both very sensitive guys. We're both very empathetic. We, we feel other people's pain so much. And so like when you feel like somebody's putting that stuff on you, you, it makes you feel like crap. It makes you feel like a piece of shit, but also it makes you feel horrible that they, that they feel so angry yeah. and frustrated, upset. And so it shuts you down it shuts and you it's down. like paralyzing. So right. it's like, so I, where I'm at as an artist is like, I don't feel like I can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I feel so, suffocated by my own sadness over everything you know yeah i think the best thing for for i mean not to get like prescriptive but like the only thing that you can do at this point is like when that stuff happens when you're on stage and things like that is to acknowledge that person's pain and that person's you know struggles who if they're targeting you in some way and be like i'm like i'm with you I've worked my whole life to be exactly what you would want me, you know, to be. So like, but like, I understand your anger, you know, you just kind of acknowledge that like, yeah, you're, they're directing at you because you're, you're in front of them, not because it's you. They don't know you. But I guess to like kind of shift it back a little bit, Mm -hmm. like I'm just looking for somebody to reach out their hand and include, Mm -hmm. and include me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to reach out their hand and, and allow me to be what I am, mm-hmm. you know, and do the things that I want to do, which is exactly what these women were doing. And, you know what I mean? Like, like men had to, men had to reach out and allow them to be women who play baseball. You know what I mean? Cause they were the ones in power. Right, and we and even so, see that in the, at the end in the Hall of Fame, where they're looking at the, that one scout, John Lovitz, the scout, and that one woman looks and says, "Look, honey, this person changed my life," you know. And like yeah. you're right, there is a there is a a sense of someone needs to take an action. Um, to give you a different perspective on things, so like you you gave like the the cis white male perspective on things. 
I have a little bit. Well, no, I wasn't trying to be condescending about that. I know, I know, I know, I know. It, but it's, it just sounds, you know what I'm saying? It sounds yeah. like when you, like those three words together are just like. <laughs> That's your own bias, buddy. I don't think it's my own bias. I know. But, uh, <laughs> to give a, a color perspective here, um, or a mixed, a mixed race person, um, I also have felt that. So we've talked about this a little bit, but I'll just go into it a little bit more. Um, I grew up in a very white, dominantly white community my family and maybe like one or two other families were the only Hispanic families in the entire town. And like, it was like one black family. So like very white. And even though I'm mixed, so I'm, I'm almost completely like half and half, you know, like half white and then half Latino and Asian, you know, it's like almost perfect split. So like, I'm pretty mixed. I know I look very light and, but I, but I'm mixed, and my name is Ricardo Diaz. So like, like it's not really hard, easy to hide. And right. like, growing up, people told me that I was different. You know, just for the fact that like I was born with a certain lineage, a certain heritage. Like people I grew up with, my peers, my people who were my friends, quote unquote, would make let me know that oh, you're you're different than us. You're you know, and to be honest, they would use racial slurs a lot of times, yeah. you know, not like, like wet back, you know, dirty Sanchez, you know, all that shit, you know, some of the, even some of the most heinous stuff that they can say to a Latino person, you know, um, they would just call me that shit to, to like put me down. And so like, I grew up being like, okay, I'm not white. I'm not white. I'll identify with my, with my Latino, with my Hispanic heritage because I've been put in that box. Not that I wouldn't have anyway, but like I was put in that box by my peers. Right. Grew up, moved to Chicago and tried to audition for like some of the Latino theater companies there. There are a lot of like, there's a great Latino population in Chicago and there's some amazing Latino theater companies there. Right. You know, they would call me into auditions, I think because of my name and stuff like that. And then when I get there, I cannot tell you how many times they said, I don't look Hispanic enough to play any of the roles. Like I wouldn't match up with any of the other characters. So they told me I didn't belong. And then I had a a white woman tell me that I didn't count as a Latino, as a person of color once. And she was my director for a play. And she was talking about how we didn't have any people of color in the cast. And I'm like sitting there like, um, hello, like I'm mixed race. And she's like, yeah, but you don't, you don't count. She said that because I don't look Hispanic. And I was like, and that, I know I've, and I can tell you, man, I've never been so offended as like, as an actual person of color at that point, like to have a complete erasure of not only my life experience, but of my like heritage, just be like, Oh, you know, that full half of you that doesn't count at all for anything. And I got super duper mad. And like, I like messaged like the theater director of that company. And I was like, I was like, Hey, like, I understand that this is like not what she meant. But like this is how it made me feel, and like that's not cool, you know. And then, so like for my whole life, it's been this idea of like not feeling like I belong to either group. I don't feel like I identify as a white person. A, a lot of a lot of people would tell me that's that's stupid because of the way I look. Like 
Yeah. Oh, you, you, people are going to think you're white. So they probably treat you as white. Yes. And no, I guess like depends on who you're talking about. Like who's an actual power. Right. Right. And then same thing like, okay, when you're in a Hispanic population or Hispanic area, they, they don't validate your, your heritage because maybe you haven't struggled as much as them because of the way you look. Right. Right. And, and so that's been hard of like, not feeling like, like you said, nobody, neither community was really reaching out to let me in. Both communities kind of were pushing me to the side. So I was caught in this in between this like lost space for a long time and, and, and not to, to bring it up again, but uh, that movie, this movie I just worked on was really cool because a lot of the crew, like a majority of the crew were of Hispanic descent. Many of them yeah. born in Mexico um, and other places. And like, I cannot tell you how like welcoming it was to be sitting at a table of seven, eight other Latino people and them being fully like, oh no, your experience matters. Like, and like talking about like this idea of like, oh, like, you know, Latino and Hispanic is not a race. So like, you can have every skin color under the sun and be Latino. You know, yeah. it, your skin color has nothing to do with whether or not you are Hispanic or not, you know? And so like, yeah. and like having other Hispanics say that to me was like, like honestly, like thinking about it right now, it's like making me tear up a little bit. Cause it was like the first time that I'd felt like very accepted by a group of, yeah. of, of Latino people and like yeah. them sharing their experiences in that same way. It was, it was amazing. It's this movie touches on something very, very real in this idea of like, like you said, finding where you belong, but also like people saying, Inclusion. Hey, right. Inclusion. Saying people coming to you, not only finding where you think you belong, people coming to you and saying, Hey, we, this is where you belong. Come and yeah. join us. You know, and I think that's, I think that's what you and I really just, that's what all we really want. Mm -hmm. We just want to feel included. Um, and like you and I, are very similar in a lot of ways, but we're very different in a lot of ways. But like, I think that's why we're best friends is like, we know the other wants to be included. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And in, in a way we kind of made a league of our own in Chicago, bro. Like, mm -hmm. like we, we started a theater company with a bunch of misfits, like the people that did not have a place, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and I think that makes sense because that we're the we're the kind of people that will extend the hand to anybody as long as as they get to feel included, you know. Mm -hmm. Which is wild. Which like as we learned, like if you're gonna like just let anybody in your group, it's gonna be a wild group, you know. What yeah. I mean? like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. There's gonna, gonna be some. It's gonna get messy and. uh but I mean, to this day, like those are some of the best memories I have, you know, mm -hmm. like, like in terms of like most fun I, mm -hmm. I ever had. And, and, uh, and the people that, and I think even people that like, we didn't think were having a good time were mm -hmm. like one, one of the uh, girls that was in the group, um, reached out to me recently wanting us to get a reunion together because really uh, yeah because like they look back and they realize that oh this group was different this group 
this group really was something, you know? Um, And it would be like the last person you would think. Uh, A person that probably... I'll ask you after we're done because I don't want to put this person on. Well, let's just put it it this way. I I won't name names, but this person probably could carve a place for herself anywhere in any society uh, because she's uh, a beautiful woman and she is also socially savvy. So, uh, so she knows, she knows how to find a place anywhere, but she realized that I think later in life that the place that just, that was the accepting place of the weirdos was the best place to be, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because you could be your authentic self. And, and that's what you and I, that's what you and I want. You know, we just want to be our authentic selves and, and people accept that, which I think our society is working towards that, but it's still got some stuff to figure out. It's got to, it's got to take the judgment off the, the end of the, the tool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're just, uh, we're all just looking for a league of our own, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole, yeah. the whole name of the movie. We're all just looking for the, yeah. our, our people, our place where, where we are, where we are on a team. It, Inclusion, I think is a great word Yeah, for what this film is about, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for talking about uh, a league of their own with me, uh, Seth. And uh, of course. It, was great. it was awesome. So, uh, thank you all for listening to us talking about League of Their Own. It's time to talk about what's next. Seth, what is next for us on the What's It About Film podcast? Well, um, in the future from today. In the future? Will... <laughs> in the future. We're actually going to do something kind of weird. Uh, so we're going to have a guest, a good buddy of mine. Um, he is a, uh actor, writer, and music producer. His name is Dane Diamond, and we're going to be doing our first double feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so we're doing a pretty wild uh, couple movies. So gear up. They're called Suspiria. Yes. Okay. So we're doing both so Suspirias. Yes. So there's two. So there's a 1977 Suspiria. And a uh, 2018 Suspiria. I think we're going to delve into the themes of the 2018 Suspiria, but you need to watch the first one to kind of uh, know what's up. So it gives a little bit more context for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, for those of you watching along, if you want to, again, you don't have to watch. I mean, you don't have to watch anything, but like if you want to focus on one or the other as far as watching along, uh, the 2018 version is the one to really watch because that's probably the one we'll be talking about the most. But if you want more context for that one, the 1977 version of Suspiria is available on Tubi for free. So anybody can go and watch it completely for free. Uh, And if you're watching uh, the 2018 version, uh, you can find that to rent on YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, Apple TV, and with an Amazon Prime subscription. So uh, we are going to be watching the Suspirias for next episode. And we're going to be joined by Mr. Dane diamond. So we're very excited to have him, uh, Seth again, once again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, go ahead and shout yourself out real quick. Yeah. You can find me as always at the birdie word on Twitter. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. 
and Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. That's Crow with an E, so all one word, S-E-T-H-A-D-A-M-C-R-O-W-E. Uh, you can also find my podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's The Crowcast, two words, the, and then Crowcast, one word, C-R-O-W-E-C-A-S-T. Awesome. And I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find my personal pages on Instagram and TikTok at Ricardo Blade Diaz, just like my name is spelled R I C A R D O B L A Y D E D I A Z. Uh, and you can also find me and Seth on our Dungeons and Dragons show that is at Character Player. You can find that on YouTube and on Twitch if you want to watch the show. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in podcast form that is again at character player you can follow us on instagram tiktok and youtube at character player and last but certainly not least if you're loving this podcast in general you can follow us at what's it about podcast on instagram where we post links to these episodes every week Uh, again we come out every friday morning you can find another episode of the what's about film podcast Um, please tell us what you guys think what you want us to talk about what movies you might want us to do um, what you think of the movies we're doing. And honestly, like most of you guys are fans out there are probably also like big movie buffs and in the industry, we would love to have you come on the show. If you want to reach out to us and be like, hey, I would love to be on the show, uh, please do because we would love to have you. Again, catch our shows on Spotify and Apple Podcasts uh, and we will talk to you all again very, very soon. Have a good day. Bye. Adios.